0: Morning, hello. Wow, a little bit quiet this morning, aren't we? (laughs) Cool, right? Thank you for that. We are in the middle in August of our series. We're in the middle. This is the second one of our um, series called Big People. So, as right, so um, what is a big person? You might ask. Well, a big person we believe is someone who's living out the fullness of all that God has for them. And we at Ashford Vineyard are not necessarily looking to try and establish a big church but instead grow big people who live in all that God has for them. And we firmly believe that Ashford and our cities are not going to be transformed by having big churches but by being influenced by big people going out into them and impacting the communities that they live in and find themselves in. So... Over this next the month of August, we're going to be looking at some of the maybe less well-known biblical characters who've stepped into a moment where they've grown and they're living out all of the potential and what God has put inside of them. We absolutely believe that big people are born and that growth comes through years of a process, leading to a point, a moment, where that, that growth, that learning, that training is a moment for them to step into. And I think this has been reflected so well in the Olympics. I absolutely love the Olympics. Yes. Um, I, not just because of the random sports I get to watch. I never thought I'd be so fascinated by people climbing up a wall or cycling in circles around a track. Have any of you seen the points race or the Madison? <laughs> I don't know who dreamt that up or made it up, but it's absolutely crazy. Um, but I've got really, I now am an expert in it for the next couple of weeks, and then I'll learn again in four years' time or three years' time. But yeah, it's been fascinating. I love the stories that come out of it the stories of working so hard, of parents driving children to training sessions and to, um, yeah, and to things they need to do training camps, saving up money, funding themselves, crowdfunding, all of that stuff just for that moment of competing and winning a gold medal at the Olympics. And that takes time to train, it takes effort, it takes a process for them to get to that point. And that's what I think we're talking about in these these big people that we're, we're looking into the lives of over the next few weeks. They've been through a process, they've been through their training to that point where they can step into a moment. So this morning, I want to introduce you to a guy called Jonathan. Let me set the scene of where we find Jonathan and where in the Bible. Some of you may know this already, but I just want to fill the rest of you in and and we'll explain a bit about who he is. So we're, we're in the Old Testament, in the book of Samuel. So as we join the story... Saul has been appointed the first king of Israel. He was chosen, so the people of Israel, the Israelites, went to God and said, we want a king. All the other nations have got one, we want one. And so Saul was chosen by God and anointed by Samuel to become the king of the Israelites. And he's a great warrior, a great fighter. He defeats the Philistines on many fronts. But as time goes on, he begins to descend into a bit of madness, a bit of craziness, fueled by his own insecurities and jealousy. To the point where he's just an, an angry man, full of jealousy and fear that he's going to be kind of t- um, removed from the throne. And he kind of knows this is coming as well. And at this point, as well, we, David comes into this. The, the story, the scenario. David had been chosen and anointed by, by Samuel as the next king of Israel. Um, he'd had his Goliath moment that I'm sure you're all aware of with the slingshot and the big fella. And um, as a result of what happened on that day, David had been invited in to be around the court of King Saul. And it's most likely here where he first meets Jonathan where he first engages and gets to know this guy who is to become this amazing friend to him. And I just want to ask you a couple of questions this morning. What does friendship look like to you? And who are your friends? I'm not talking about your Facebook friends that could number in the tens or the thousands or however many you've got. But I'm talking about real, true friendship—people you can rely on, people you can go to in those moments of crisis. Who are those people in your life? Do you know? Can you even name them? Do you know who they are? And what does that friendship look like to you? And what are your expectations from that? So those are questions for you to ponder as we talk about Jonathan this morning. So who is Jonathan? So like his father, he was a man of great strength and swiftness, the Bible describes. And he also excelled in archery and slinging. He was one of the greatest kind of war heroes in the Bible Uh, As a warrior, he led the Israelites to victory after victory over the Philistines for his father. And then there's one occasion where, with no one but his armor bearer to help him, he basically defeated the Philistine camp and army in that moment. It's been amazing, actually, as I've, as I've, I've actually been reading a lot about David recently, and this is how I've got to know more about Jonathan. But as you delve back into the Old Testament and read stories, there's amazing stuff that that went on that so often we kind of gloss over them a little bit as they're stories we remember from kind of Sunday school or growing up and things like that. But there's so much depth and so much goes on that we can just miss in a moment. And I actually, um, um, in reading, I've, this is the Bible I, I got when I was 13 when I said my yes to Jesus and I've just absolutely loved going through it again, reading my highlighted bit, the bit that I've written over, crossed over, lined over, whatever, just to, um, just to see um, what's been going on. And it's, I would recommend that you get your Bible and treat it like a book that you love. Write in it, engage with it, take it. The Word of God has so much power in it. And I've just loved reading through as I've dug this Bible out again and gone through it and... Looked at my notes and found random bits of paper tucked in there and stuff. So, back to Jonathan off my little tangent about this book, but yeah, great friendships require great commitment, and Jonathan understood the importance of, of friendship and comrade. Comra- I can't even say it, comrade, comradari. <laughs> camaraderie done thank you and from his time in battle fighting together arm in arm with people with armies he'd go out and defeat defeat the philistines defeat his enemies and he so knew the importance of having people alongside him fighting with him standing with him supporting him And he understood, I think, what friendship was. And fighting with someone, being there for them, supporting them, looking out for them. And Jonathan is an example of this, as he committed himself in friendship to David. He basically made a, uh, a pledge to him, uh, uh, effectively an agreement that said, I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to look out for you. I'm going to be the best, the best friend I can to you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to give my life for yours. Even like you're my brother, like even more than a brother. And I wonder how often in our friendships, we look at the, the uh, just the kind of the, the low key level of friendship, the Oh, yeah, I might give you a call every now and again. I might look out for you. I might, might check in with you occasionally. How often do we commit to our friends and say, do you know what, if you need anything, night or day, I'm there for you. If you, whatever you're going through, I want to support you. I want to help you. I want to be there for you. And how many of those friends do we have in our lives? So Jonathan stepped into a moment with David as he understood the importance of the friendship and the commitment that he had made. Saul, who by this point is very, like, on the crazy spectrum, quite far down it, getting particularly annoying and uh, annoyed with David and who he is and jealous of David, he actually kills, tries to kill David a number of times, twice by throwing a spear at him once, by sending him out for an unrealistic dowry so that David could marry Saul's daughter, who he's taken a shine to. And once, uh, I'm quickly going to share this story because I love it, I've loved reading this, but there's once David has fled to where Samuel is for some like, sanctuary and to, to get some, some help because Saul's chasing after him. And Saul sends a, an army, a group of men, to go and get him. And Samuel, at this point, is in... He's in like a, a kind of a, a sanctuary place. He's training up some prophets. A bit like Kingdom Academy, I guess, that we're going to start here next year. But Saul sends some men down to go and, um, to go and capture David and kill him, basically. But as they arrive, the, the, the place they get to is so filled with the presence of God that they can't help but pray and prophesy. Because he's so filled with the presence of God at that point. And so Saul's gone, where have these men gone? We need to send some more men. They turn up and the same thing happens. And then the third time, he sends some more men and goes, what is going on? The same thing happens. They can't help when they get near but pray and to worship and to prophesy. So Saul says, right, I'm going to do this myself. Guess what happens? Saul, this angry man, goes down to where Samuel is. And he's just like unable to stop himself prophesying. Even before he arrives, God meets him. And it says here, he stripped off his robes and prophesied in Samuel's presence. And he lay that way all that day and night. God had a plan to protect David in that moment. And also, I just love that story because the presence of God was so thick in that place that even men sent to kill David could not resist, could not help themselves, but to worship God and speak what God was saying in that moment. That's the fourth time that Saul tries to kill David and fails. And the fifth time is when Jonathan steps up. So David comes to him and says, um, Jonathan, like, why, why is your dad trying to kill me? What have I done wrong? Like, I don't get this. It's four times now. And Jonathan goes, are you sure he's actually trying to kill you? I'm not sure I, like, my dad's, I'm not sure, I think Jonathan hadn't quite seen it at that point, what exactly was going on. Jonathan actually says, you're not going to die. My father doesn't do anything great or small without confiding in me. Why would he hide this from me? It's not so. I don't think he wants to kill you. So David says to Jonathan, and this is all in 1 Samuel 20. I'm not going to read the passage, it's quite a long chapter. But... I'm going to condense it and kind of do it in my own words a little bit, but they make a plan that says where effectively um, David says, right, go and speak. I'm not going to be at the, the next festival that's coming. When your father asks you, Jonathan, about where I am, tell him that um, you've sent me on a, I had to go on a, on a mission somewhere else. So Jonathan does that. He goes back to Saul and as the this festival, this feast is happening, David's not there. And Saul says to Jonathan, where is David? And Jonathan effectively says, oh, he's had to go away on another mission somewhere else. And eventually what happens is the next day David's not there again and Jonathan asks, and Saul gets so frustrated about Jonathan in this moment that he hurls a spear at Jonathan and says, why are you... On David's side, why are you taking his side in all of this? So Jonathan, in that moment, realises that he needs to make a choice. He has to choose, actually, his, his dad and his relationship with his father. Or he has to go with the friendship that he has with David, choosing to follow the, the kind of agreement that he's made, the commitment that he's made to David as a friend. And he does that. And Jonathan ends up actually telling David that Saul is actually after him and and helps him flee. He helps him get away. And David runs into the wilderness and 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 he and Jonathan don't see each other for a little while. But then there's another occasion, a sixth occasion, when Saul finds out where David is and he sends his army to find him. And Jonathan, who's part of this army, manages to hunt David down before, um, before Saul can get there. And this happens. This is in 1 Samuel 23. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. And even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made another agreement before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home. But David remained at Horesh. Now that's the last time that these two see each other. But in that moment... I think Jonathan steps into David's situation. He makes his choice to commit to, completely to David and re, reaffirm their friendship. And as David's world is falling apart, it's Jonathan that takes the risk to, to help David to see him. And what Jonathan does in that moment is he calls out God's calling on David. David. He says, don't be afraid. My father Saul won't lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel. So Jonathan, as David's friend in that moment, calls out the perfect anointing, the perfect plan that God has for him. He was able to see that anointing, that David was chosen, and point David back to that. He chooses to be loyal to his friend to be a comfort to his friend, to call out the best in his friend and remind them of their calling. Do you have anyone in your life that would do that for you? Do you have anyone in your life that you can do that to, that you're calling out their purpose, that you're telling them who they are, reminding them how great they are, what it is about them that you see in them? What is their God-given destiny, their calling? Who are those people in your life? Are you seeking those people out? As I was reading some more about this, I came across this quote that I absolutely love. Martin Buber is a Jewish kind of thinker and teacher. He said, The greatest thing any person can do for another is to confirm the deepest thing in them to take the time and have the discernment to see what's mostly, what, what is most deeply there, most fully that person, and then confirm it by recognising and encouraging it. So I ask you again, what does friendship mean to you? Who are the people around you that you see or... Who are your friends that are calling this stuff out of you? Who are the ones that are taking the time and having the discernment to see what's most deeply inside of you? And are you taking time to do that to other people and your friends as well? And what does that look like for your life? Where can you step into a moment with someone to help them to be the best that they can be, just as Jonathan did for David? I wonder if with this comes a a choice that we have to make in our conversations and who we're talking to. What would it look like if we set out to have far deeper conversations with our friends and our people than how's the weather or which club is Harry Kane going to play for next season? (laughs) What happens if we're not asking those questions? But we're asking our friends, what is your dream? Or we say, you're amazing at whatever that is. How can I help you be better at that? Learn how to do that more. Do more of that. Whatever that is that you see in them. What if our conversations look like? Calling that out, encouraging people. Putting your arm around them and saying, let's move on to this next stage of your life together. You want me to come and look at this house with you? Let's go and look at that house. You want me to help you to find a job? Let's do that together. Helping people to step in to the potential that God has for them, to keep praying for them, to pray with them. It's a really annoying fly. That's all good. Let's learn to be thankful for the people around us, to see the best in them, and commit to loving them, loving our friends, to take time and to have discernment for them. Who do you have in your life to call out their purpose in and to remind you of your purpose? Now, if you're sat here today struggling to think about where those relationships are in your life or or who those people are, I would love to encourage you to find those people, whether that's by joining a circle, which is one of our communities that meet at, here at Ashford Vineyard. It's so much better than when we start doing this stuff together, when we look at the things of God together. We have groups called invest groups, where groups of people meet together for the course of a year, learn, talk about each other's lives, find out what it means together to be a follower of Jesus to to hear from him, to see him working. We have circles, communities that meet together. We have communities that volunteer together. And it's in those places that those relationships are formed. Those strong bonds are formed that, that provide us with those opportunities to have this depth of friendship with people. Jonathan and David met probably as young, kind of almost kids, as as young teenagers. Just doing life and stuff together. And it's out of that initial meeting that their friendship developed to the point it did. So I wonder whether this week we need to go to God and say, where are our friends? Where can I find them? Where can I start developing these relationships? And he'll lead you and point you to the right people. And if you want to know any more about being in a circle, being in an invest group, being part of these communities where these friendships can be formed, then please do just get in touch. You can email circles at ashwavinyard.org. I'd love to chat with you about what that looks like. We have people out there who would love to challenge you, support you, to love you and to be the kind of friends that we're calling out for as we, we seek to bring life to Ashford together. I said right at the beginning about who big people are. They are people who, is living out, who are living out the fullness of all that God has for them. And I think it's these friendship relationships that we have in our life that lead us to that point. And they're a key, key part and a key process, a key kind of, um, yeah, just a key factor in becoming the big people that God is calling us to be. So I encourage you to be like Jonathan. Find the friends, find your friends, call your friends, call out the best in them. And who is God calling them to be? Can you stand with me, please? I'd love to pray for you. Father, I thank you for the people that you, you've put in my life who've cheered me on, who's cha- who've championed me, who've drawn the gold out of me and ushered me into something new, something exciting. And I pray that for all of us, we'd find those people in our lives. The people who champion us, who go deeper with us in our life, who bring out the best in us, You can do that, Father. You can do that yourself. But you put people around us as we meet with people together that draw the best out of us. So just as we go about the next week, would you help us to identify who those people are in our lives? The people that you're calling us to be friends to, to be Jonathan friends to, and the Jonathan friends to us as well. Just as I was praying about today as well, just I feel God wants to say to us that August is historically a time of kind of having a bit of a rest, a bit of a relaxation. It's the time that the schools are off, it's the time people tend to go on holiday and things. But I think this is a time of preparation for us as individuals and for us as a church. It's the amassing of the like I, th- I think God wants to build relationships over this time. He's, he's starting the process of building these Jonathan relationships. He's putting people in our life that will start speaking this into us. And there's a, we, as a leadership team here at AV, we're saying there's a wave coming. We're expectant for what God's going to do next. As his kingdom comes and moves across Ashford. But this, this month, this time... Is a time for us to get grow in our connection, to grow in our connection with God and in our connection with each other. So let's not sit on our, on our, on our laurels, on our, on our backsides, but let's use this time. Let's not think, oh, it's August, I'm having a month off of everything, necessarily. But let's use it to grow in our connection with Jesus and who he is and connection with each other as well.